0: Well, we made it through a week and this is still around, so that's a good sign. So welcome back to the Three Stooges of Basketball pod with with myself, Brady Peterson, um, Eric Bugard of Minnesota, and, and as always, we're always blessed to be around mason asher so so welcome back um and i i guess we'll just get right into this um i I don't see any reason to dilly dally so let's just talk about the big 10 for a little bit and talk about some college basketball first um yeah um i think the story of the week is ohio state so if 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 there's anyone that really wants to talk about ohio state and what week they had i mean feel free to jump in right away i guess because it was an interesting one for sure
1: (laughs) mason you want to go first
2: yeah it's it's just crazy how you know last week we were kind of figuring out who we thought would win the big 10 and who would have the best shot from the big 10 is, you know, to make the final four, you know, Ohio state was sitting really good last week at this time, they're 19 and 0. And then they just kind of, you know, they were competitive in all their games. Obviously they had a tough schedule playing Iowa at home then at IU. And then, you know, it's no matter who you play, when you play, three games in six days, it's really that Sunday game when you have a Monday, Thursday, Sunday schedule. That Sunday game is really tough. You know, we saw that today when they played Purdue and lost to Purdue. Uh, I was able to watch that game. You know, obviously I'm a Purdue fan, but Ohio State just did not look like they were ready for that game. They kind of looked lethargic. You know, it looked like I had just played two top 10 teams this week. Um, You know, they really struggled against Purdue's zone and box and one. They mixed up their defenses really well and forced Ohio State to kind of just shoot early shots in the shot clock. And, you know, they played out of control for most of the game. Um, They had, I think it was seven offensive fouls, and a lot of those were – you know, actually offensive fouls, um, you know, there were one or two where I was like, okay, that could have gone either way. But, you know, that just kind of spe- having the opportunity to have seven offensive fouls called on you just kind of speaks to how out of position Ohio State was throughout the day. You know, they made, they made a run, they were down by 17. Um, at one point they made a run to tie it up, forced them miss shot with about four minutes left in the game. And then Ferry came down and had an offensive foul, fouled her out of the game. Cody McMahon came down and twisted her ankle in that same play. And Purdue, you know, kind of just pulled back away and, um, you know, kind of took it, took the game from there. So, you know, I think everyone that we mentioned last week in, in terms of who could win the Big Ten, I think are definitely still in it. I think. You know, at this point, it's a four-team race between Indiana, Iowa, Maryland. I think Ohio State's still in there too, uh, but they're going to really have to turn it around after losing three games in a row. I think, obviously, at this point, Indiana has probably the best shot at winning, uh, just because Iowa and Maryland schedules are so tough. But IU and Iowa both play like they play each other twice still this year. Uh, So, you know, whoever sweep if they're one of those teams sweep that series, I think that you're looking at that team to be the Big Ten champion. And also, um, you know, IU still has to go to Ohio State too. And that's obviously going to be a really good game once again.
0: Yeah. And I kind of want to ask you guys about that, that first game too. Cause I, I mean, I feel like you have to always have that Caitlin Clark conversation every time she has one of the games she had against uh, Ohio state. And I mean, it's not like, it's not like a, like, you know, legacies defining game. Cause I feel like that's already kind of been done. Like it's kind of like, that's, I mean, we kind of know how good she is now. Um, but I just kind of want to ask you guys, like when, like, when stuff like that happens, like just describe like what the big picture thing is for that. Where are just like people being able to see her, have like a triple double against a number two team in the country and seeing her play on national TV. Like just what are like the big picture things in, like of that in, in your opinion?
1: I'll speak to coming at it from seeing, having seen a few of hers here's what's more, one of the most, more impressive things about her getting a triple double in this was it was a needed triple double with how they were playing. This may be an unpopular opinion. A couple of her triple doubles are stat mm-hmm. padding in 30 point games. Not that impressive. You're beating up on a team and you're staying in there. Triple double is impressive. That's great. You're doing it in a 30 point blow and staying in there way past when you should have to try and get those rebounds mm-hmm. or assists. Those ones aren't impressive. When you go on the road and do it at, at the time a top five team, I'm going to guess dropping out of the top 10 this week It was impressive that you did it in a needed game and she didn't get out of control and she kind of kept her cool. And when things were a little wild, she did that. What I've always questioned, if she could do, kept her cool, kept the things rolling, kept her other teammates under control and did the let's calm down till she was arguing with the fans courtside at one point. But I mean, that's just part of Caitlin Clark. You're getting the good with the bad. And I'm bad. That's just good with the honoree. But that was my thought. And when the world sees that, they see, they see kind of the level the big 10 can get to now to kind of backtrack a little bit and give my opinion on the big 10 Mason kind of talk about like in season big 10 champion. I will talk big picture. What I think Ohio state confirmed for me, at least as a fan of the big 10, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but the word, the word is not what I'm wanting to say, but it's the only one for lack of a better term that I can think of. I think the big, t- all every big 10 team is overrated based on what their ranking is. I don't think they're the top 10 team in the Big Ten, in my opinion, in the country. When I think top 10, I think a team that has national championship abilities and could be a legit contender for a Final Four. I don't see a Final Four team in the Big Ten. I don't see a national championship contender. And just to kind of give maybe a little reason why, every team that is a contender in the country, they have a post player who's versatile outside of, I'm going to lay it up within two feet, and if I can't do that, I'm completely lost. I'm looking at you, Monica Sinano, and Mackenzie Holmes. If those two run into Aaliyah Boston, Cameron Brink, Aaliyah Edwards, or Angel Reese, they're not going to have an effective game, plain and simple. That's why I don't see any Big Ten team being a Final Four or national championship contender. Good teams, high-level teams, impressive, fun games. Yes, the Big Ten isn't putting someone in in the Final Four, in my opinion, this year.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the big, T- I think the Big Ten has a shot. I think that Iowa has the lowest floor of you know the top four Big Ten teams. Is they can probably lose to anyone at any time. You know, if Caitlin Clark at one point has a game that you know is is uncharacteristic and she is held down, I, I think they can obviously, you know, lose that. Um, But at the same point, you know, she could have one of her patented, you know, 35 point gains on, you know, higher volume shots, obviously, but, you know, that's kind of her mantra. You know, I think they can beat anyone. Um, You know, and we have a good basis for that because, you know, Iowa already played UConn this year. Uh, They played them back in November and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they only lost by seven points. Caitlin Clark scored 25 and she probably had one of her worst games of the year in that game, shooting the ball. Um, Yeah. I I know that you mentioned that, um, you know, Susanna might not be able to play with, you know, the better posts in the country, but, you know, in that game, she held her own. She, you know, didn't score 20 points or anything like that, but UConn's, you know, Leah Edwards also didn't score 30 points on her either. So I think, and in and, and, and the end, I think once we get to the elite eight final four, it's more about who kind of gets hot. Uh, I think once you get that deep into the postseason, anyone can beat anyone at any time. Obviously I think South Carolina's, you know, probably the favorite at this point and probably will be for the rest of the year. Um, but there are a lot of teams out there that I think, you know, don't need a huge post presence to win, even though that's kind of what we've seen over the past couple of years. But I think that kind of more boils down to the fact that those teams with really, really good post players also have other really, really good players that those, you know, guard positions and wing spots.
1: You know, go back to the UConn game. I think that's kind of one of the things that, help mold my opinion in that. Cause when I watched it, you know, Kate Martin had those six threes and those were big. And that was when they were going on a run. And this is also when UConn AZ was playing, um, darker you house was not to me. It didn't seem like it took UConn much more than maybe cranking it up one notch and boom, they were back in the game and had the lead. And there's where I think big 10 teams, not necessarily saying you have to have a post, I'm saying a team like Indiana and Iowa, Those I'm just talking about those two because those are probably in my opinion the two tops. Maryland, Wild, Ohio State, we've, give me a break. I mean, Cody McMahon has, I'm sorry, one of the reasons they've fallen this week, Cody McMahon has one move. It is a spin move, and if you are ready for it, you can draw a charge, you can get her traveling, you can throw them. She has one move. And even J.C. Sheldon coming back. I like J.C. Sheldon. But let's be honest, she's been out for what now? Eight, nine weeks? Maybe a little bit less? is she really going to be in basketball basketball shape by the time she comes back to make a massive difference for this team? She'll make a good difference. She's a good player. Does she make a massive difference? I think it's more so if you take Holmes away from Indiana or you take Monica away from Iowa, do the others have enough? Kalen, to me, is the only player, in my opinion, right now in the Big Ten, all teams combined, that has a bright long-term pro future ahead of her. Sorry, Diamond Miller, you have more injuries than I can imagine. You have injury history. I don't think you're that good of a shooter. She's probably next, but Caitlin, when I look at Monica and you know, Ken McKenzie, I don't see if I don't see them beyond being really good college players. So my thing is if you take them away from their teams, does their teams have enough to beat an LSU, a South Carolina? where Leah Boston can put up six points, 10 rebounds, and her team can still win by 20. I hate giving LSU credit, but Angel Reese can have a lower game and they can still probably have enough pieces. Stanford, Cameron Brink, we've seen her struggle to stay on the court. You have Haley Jones. That's more where I'm looking at it. Like if you take away their big post or with them struggling or not doing well or kind of having to defend other big-time posts, that's where I think the other team struggled, like with Creighton last year. Monica had one of those games where she had the yips with the layups around there. For some reason, they go to her on the final shot to try and get a layup when you have Caitlin Clark on the court. I'm not an Iowa person. I don't know what the decision was there, but that was my thought process on it
0: um I kind of want to move on because you brought up a couple different um conferences here I wanted to shift attention out west to Westwood a little bit because UCLA had an interesting week as well um they had a bit of a road trip against a couple ranked teams in Colorado and Utah and they lost to um Colorado in overtime and then they ended up losing by a point I believe to Utah in a top 10 matchup so but we can we can talk about um a little bit of UCLA here if, if you guys want just because that's a really young team and they you know they've had a really good start to the year and you know obviously like Pac-12's got some pretty good basketball, and I just kind of want to ask your guys' opinions on on, on them kind of dropping these two games, just so we don't beat up on Ohio State too much because they weren't the only top 10 team that lost twice this week. So I just kind of want to see if you guys had any thoughts on that.
1: They are the only top 10 that lost three times.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, for UCLA, like you said, they're young. They, I think their best basketball is obviously ahead of them, but I think more than anything, it just speaks to how, deep, I guess, maybe not deep, but how the Pac-12 has shifted a little bit. You know, two years ago, you wouldn't have really said, oh, Colorado and Utah are, you know, two of the top teams in the Pac-12. But, you know, here here we are in, you know, late, late January. And, you know, Colorado's top 25 team in the country going to be moving up this week in the poll. And Utah's the top 10 team in the country going to move up in the poll as well. Um, you know, Oregon state and Oregon who have, you know, as of two to three or four years ago, you know, we're kind of in that top three every single year, you know, Oregon's 14 and seven this year, Oregon state's 11 and 10 this year. So there's been a little bit of a, you know, a power shift in the pac 12, I think, but even though UCLA has lost two in a row, you know, it, it doesn't really get easier for them at all. You know, they've got Arizona coming up. Um this week and Arizona state uh, and then they play Oregon state, Oregon, and then they go on a road on the road to California and Stanford. So I think, you know, UCLA is, you know, really good future. Um, You know, they're, they're also a top 10 team in in the country for a reason. If you watch them, they're really, really good. Um, So I think, you know, this year, especially in the pac 12, it just seems that everyone's kind of beating up on each other save Stanford, obviously, because um, you know, they're they're definitely one of the top teams in the country. I think they're one of the the clear teams. Um, you know, Utah's already played them, lost by I think it was twelve. And so, you know, they play them again at the end of the year, the very last game of the season, and that very well could be, you know, for potentially a Pac-Twelve championship if Stanford loses a a game, uh, since Utah's seven and two right now in conference, but, you know, there's a lot of really good basketball right now in the PAC 12 and UCLA, despite losing two games this week, you know, to two really good teams, I think it's going to be right there for the foreseeable future.
0: And the next thing I just, I think, I think it's time we go into Eric's five minutes of talking about the Gophers. I think I've been waiting for this all week and (laughs) I kind of don't want to waste any more time um minnesota uh, obviously always has an interesting weekend in eric's eyes so i'm mm-hmm. always keen to just sit and listen to hear what he has to say so i mean I'll, I'll i mean i'm ready to go whenever you are eric so just tell me what you're thinking
1: i had some thoughts on the pack 12 no um I will say just I'm going to steal some of my time because I don't have a lot to say about the Gophers. I'm going to steal some of my time to kind of see what Mason has. I agree. Stanford is by far the best one in the Big Pac-12. They are, in my opinion, Cameron Brink on a questionable fifth call against South Carolina, away from knocking off South Carolina. I get mm-hmm. Stanford has turned around. And once again, I'm not saying it was a foul, was not a foul. It was one of those 50-50 could win either way. If she doesn't go out in that fifth foul against South Carolina, I don't think South Carolina comes back and wins it. That's how good Cameron Brink is. Here is my once again weekly plea. Please come out in the WNBA draft in 2023 so we can draft you at number two. Please. <laughs> After her triple-double today. On to the Gophers. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I know we kind of go back and forth and we joke and stuff. As a fa- I was thinking about this on the way home because you know a long drive home. I have to ask myself and take my fandom out of it and my stableness from it. If the name of the head coach right now was not Lindsey Whalen, who I have loved since I was a basketball, like a little kid, the reason I got into basketball, the reason I got into Gophers, WNBA champion, all that. If it wasn't the name Lindsey Whalen and I just looked at the record and the losses and what's going on, I would be banging down the door screaming, fire that coach. That's not to say I'm saying that right now. What I'm saying is something has to give, whether that means new assistants and a new uh, head coach that changes something, figures out something. Something has to give because we can't go into a game losing 41 to 77. I will lose. Brady, you were when we lost to Wake Forest. And that's what makes me sad. Beginning of the year, I could defend them all the time because when you lost to Wake Forest, guess what? Last second shot, you were in it. Every game you lost in those first like 12 or 14, they were right there. They were competitive. They had fight. They had they showed something. That's gone. It we haven't seen fight at all. 56 points they scored at Purdue, 41 today against Michigan. There's no offensive flow. There's very questionable. <laughs> Substitution pattern. Mara Braun hit had scored like five points right off the bat today. And she's the first sub coming out right after hitting a three. Guess what? Mara Braun didn't hit another shot all game. What are we doing? Why are you taking out your best players? We don't run good offense. We it, it, I don't know what we're this is by the way, this performance today was coming off eight days of being off. What were we doing for eight days? So there's, there's my thought process. I'm not saying it's time to be fired. I'm saying I'm getting closer to that. If this name wasn't Lindsey Whalen, I'd be screaming fire the coach. I understand also firing the coach doesn't always change things. We have talent. We are young, but that excuse needs to go out the door. We don't have a lot of bench. All the excuses in the world can come up with. We need to be better than we are. I'm not saying we should be a top four team right now. We absolutely should look better than we did today. That's my go for minutes. So I have I have a question
2: for I have a question for you actually, Eric, about the gophers, just because I like to ask you questions and I know we we bicker back and forth quite a bit. Yeah. Um obviously uh you know Minnesota got off to a good start to the year. Um but you know six of those eight wins were against teams with you know a net or an RPI over 200. So, you know, some not great out of conference competition. And then, you know, you start off the Big Ten slate, you know, looking past the Penn State and Iowa in December. But, you know, you play Maryland, you play Ohio State. And then you lose a tough game to Wisconsin and then a tough game to Rutgers, which both probably should have been won. Um, do you think that, you know, obviously Minnesota has some really good freshman players. Do you think at this point in the season they're hitting, you know, some some type of freshman wall? per se, or do you think it's just, um, you know, something is just not gelling with the team?
1: I'm going to say it's 50-50. I do. The problem with us being so freshman heavy and let's be honest, we knew those three, especially when Nia Holloway went down in preseason workouts, we knew the main three had to produce day in and day out. I said it even when they were beating these teams in the 200 RPI or net rating, Mara Braun needed 20 points for this team to be successful. Granted, she was doing that off the bat. But they've all kind of hit that wall. And Mara kind of figured out, guess what? Playing Presbyterian is different than playing Iowa and Maryland. Because Iowa and Maryland are going to make your life a living nightmare for 40 minutes. Presbyterian doesn't have the guards to make your life a living nightmare type situation. So I think it's kind of a learning curve for all the freshmen. I think mild learning kind of... When do I shoot? When, you know, what do I do? I also want to give a shout-out to Mallory Hire. Some of her non-scoring is not her fault. She's a tank. We've discussed this. Block to block, she runs really hard. And some of her guards are not finding her. She's running hard. You need to reward the big that runs that hard. Get her the ball. That's my little plea. But I also want to go back to Ada's coaching. Today, for some reason, and i wrong, Rose has had some big games. Rose Misha has had some big games. Our offense cannot be dump it down to her and four guards stare at her. And it also can't be her going one on three and one on two. But if there's no plays being run and there's nothing being taught to cut or backdoor cut or move or do something, I mean, at some, cause Mallory hire is I'd say a pretty high percentage three point shooter from the corners. We ran four or five different plays today where we had her down low posting up Kaiser for Michigan And we had uh, 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 Maggie Sonano in the corner for three. Can we switch those two? Maggie's not a great... Maggie can hit it. Maggie don't want to. Mal's not going to score against Kaiser. Just switching those two positions. They're both going to guard post. Why are we not switching those two positions to get Mal and run a play? Run a pick and roll for Mara. This is your player who can put up 34 and 28 and stuff. We're not running pick and rolls. We're not finding a way to get her open or get her help. Amaya's not looking to attack much anymore. Someone broke her jump shot. So it's, I think they're they're hitting a wall. They're understanding the Big Ten, that the teams are going to focus on them. Every team, I, I mean, besides the one Penn State game when she had like 30-some, every Big Ten team knows, let Rose cook. They're not going to cook you for a win. If you stop the three freshmen, you let Rose and Katie and whoever else do whatever they want the three freshmen are the key to winning if you stop them or if the coach benches them after five straight points your job is done
0: um i guess with that we can move on to just some mid-major stuff if there's anything you guys want to want to highlight um the the one the one thing i want to go back to i talked about it last week is just the competitiveness of the horizon league again um right now the top three teams are you know Youngstown State and Cleveland State are ten and two, and Green Bay is nine and two with a game tomorrow to play. And if they were to win that game against IEPY, who's only a game and a half back of of Cleveland State and Youngstown State, um, there's three teams at the top of the Horizon League that are ten and two. And I just kind of want to keep highlighting how talented the top of that conference is because I mean, one, it's if you have three teams at at ten and two at 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 the top of it, you know that one the rest of the season is going to be interesting just to kind of see you know who ends up if anyone wins the conference title outright. But the other thing is just kind of being, keeping an eye on that and watching the horizon league um conference tournament, I think is going to be really fun as well. So I just, again, I can't shout out the horizon league enough for staying entertaining. So that's all I got.
1: Two of your favorite or your two favorites, I guess I'll say shout out to St. Thomas for getting there for women's basketball. They got their win at South Dakota. Granted South Dakota, not the same South Dakota, but a win is a win. It, when you're a building program, it's wins like this that you need to look back on and like say, hey, we first did this or did that. It's a road win against a predominant or perennial dominant um, Summit League team. Congratulations to St. Thomas on your win in South Dakota.
2: Yeah, and then uh, my mid-major uh, tidbit this week is is I kind of want to talk Missouri Valley. Um Obviously, I'm most in tune with Drake just because I'm in the Des Moines area. Um, And right now, you know, you've kind of got, you know, at the top of the Missouri Valley, you've got Illinois State, Northern Iowa, and Drake. Um, You know, before the weekend, um, you know, Northern Iowa looked poised right there to be able to take uh, the conference. Uh, from Illinois State potentially, and Drake was just one game back. Um, you know, they, they went over to Illinois and Missouri and played. They had their uh, Southern Illinois and Missouri State battle. Um, Missouri State coming into the weekend was 5-3 and three in conference. And, you know, if they would have lost both of those games, that would have pushed them out of the conversation. Uh, but they beat both. Northern Iowa and Drake this weekend. Uh they beat Northern Iowa on Thursday by 4 and then they beat Drake by 10 on Saturday which puts them right back in the conversation there with just three losses on the season and if they really, you know, kind of turn their season around in conference play at this point, and I think they have a real shot uh you know, make some noise in in the Valley. They only play uh, Illinois State one more time this year. Uh, I believe they played them in early January and lost by a couple points. Uh, but they still have return games at Drake in Northern Iowa. And if if they can win those three games, then I think they have a real shot to kind of run the table in all the other games and really make it clustered at the top there in the, in the Valley this year. But uh, I watched that Drake and Missouri State game on Saturday and you know, watching Drake as much as I do, it always seems, and the numbers show it too. They are an excellent rebounding team, one of the, the top rebounding teams in the country, and they're always, you know, kind of the tallest team on the court. Um, and it was it was kind of incredible to see Missouri State basically dominate Drake on the glass, which is something that does not happen very often. They pulled down 14 offensive rebounds. Ended up getting off twenty three more shots than Drake, and it was just kind of a clinic of of how to beat Drake at their own game. Now they also forced Drake to turn it over twenty three times, which also doesn't happen very often. But I think Missouri State is is really hitting their stride right now. They've won three in a row, you know, and and have you know a, an easier schedule coming up before they play Illinois State here in two weeks. So that's what I'm looking forward
1: to watching over the next two weeks. Kind of how the, the valley shakes out. I know I should know this, but Coach Mock leaving for Virginia, who took over the Missouri State job? Um,
2: off the top of my head, I cannot remember her name. I should know her name, but
1: off the top of my head, I can't
2: remember her name.
1: I was gonna say Coach Mock, but I know she went to Virginia, so she took Oh, in. it
2: was um it was uh Beth Cunningham. Oh, Damn
1: assessment. Okay.
2: Yep. That's who it was.
1: I'm not so, going to yeah, she was
2: she was at Notre Dame. She was at Duke, I believe, two years previous. And then yep. This year she came over to take over. And she's done a really, really good job there.
0: Well, I don't want to put Mason on the spot. So I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the next thing. Um and I just kind of want to move on to the uh just basically the non-division one um schools so nai uh D2, d2 d3s and i i just have kind of one program i want to shout out and i kind of want to give like uh again the yac a, a bit of a shout out as a whole for being a really really good division three conference because uh eau claire um they got a lot of transfers and they're really talented i mean they've been on a bit of a tear um in, in the Wyack this year and they went up to river falls which was you know coach coach blake's old spot and um they and River Falls gave Eau Claire a pretty, pretty solid beating and gave him a double digit um, loss uh, up at River Falls. And I mean, it just kind of goes to show how good like the depth is in that conference. I mean, you have Platteville beating teams with like like Whitewater and Oshkosh this year, and then River Falls is beating a top 20 team in, in D3. So um, yeah, it's just more of like a a single shout out to to River Falls for um, being great this week. And, and also like a bit of, you know, talking about the WIAC as a whole being one of the better D3 conferences in the country.
2: Yeah, mean? if I had to give – sorry, go ahead, Eric.
0: What do we mean putting Mason on the spot? Does he not like P3 or something? No, 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 not, not, not that. You just called him out for not knowing the Missouri State head coach off-road. Off I didn't call
1: him out. I didn't know it either. I am.
2: <laughs> I couldn't think of it off, off the top of my head. I was I was definitely put on the spot and had to think for a second. Um, but, no, my my shout-out would be uh, in the NAI ranks to Clark, who is playing just a crazy excellent basketball right now. Um, since a loss in early December, you know, they've, they've ripped off 10 straight wins uh, basically by a margin of like 30 points as well. Um, You know, they're, they're 20 and they're sitting at 22 in the season, 14 and two in conference. Um, You know, they look like they're just kind of kind of walk through uh, you know, the the conference, the rest of the season. Um, They, they do have a game, this weekend, I believe, against Central Methodist, who they did lose to earlier in the year. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting game. Um, but if we're talking Iowa small college basketball this week, I just have to give a give out a shout out to Clark, who's who's definitely in the conversation for a national championship this year as well.
1: I will forego my time because I have nothing to add to the conversation. But... <laughs> 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 okay um i guess like after after some college talk we can go over some
0: high school stuff and well even though you, you surpassed i mean you're already you're already you know rubbing your hands together eric so i know exactly what you want to talk about and we're, we're, and we're looking to talk about some interesting games or, or results from from the week that was and obviously eric is a is a massive fan of, of providence academy and and their and, and their team and they had a pretty good week this week so eric
1: tell us all about it okay <laughs> so Let's just set the theme. No, okay. Um, Huge. I want to say a couple huge shout outs before I get to my little speech. First of all, I want to give a shout out to the Hopkins Royals. You are, at the time, undefeated, top 10 rated in the country, number one team in 4A. You didn't have to play Providence. I know of five other uh, 4A schools in Minnesota who told Providence, no, we will not play you. Hopkins said, let's do it. Coach Stark, Coach Tara Stark's mentality: It will play anyone, anywhere. We love the competition. Huge shout out to that. That speaks volumes. The teams that are scared. Now let's get to why they were scared. Um, you had number, you had the top 2 top defending champs, two A and four A. Two A is not supposed to beat four A. And I will say, let's let's set the scene. Taylor Woodson was out of this game. She had just played the night before in the St. Albertville game. As far as I could not tell, it was the rest due to the ongoing ankle that she's kind of dealing with, that she definitely, you know, the injury she got at the beginning of the year against Bishop Kerrigan. And I said, and St. Michael had them on the ropes and it was a physical game there. So I think back to back in less than 24 hours. Now let's get to the one. I want to give her all of her flowers. I want to give her all of her due. I want to give her everything in. I want to give her every credit she deserves, the magician, the microwave the magnificent Madden Greenway. You, When you finish with 41 points, eight assists, seven steals, six rebounds, and you play every minute of that game against power five, traditional powerhouse-led, legendary, set the standard in Minnesota basketball, Hopkins, and you put on that performance, there, the discussion of who number one in 2026 is in the state of Minnesota is over. You've shown what you can do. Hopkins threw 19 different de- defenses at her. They threw triples and doubles. And you had the outstanding play of Liv McGill, and she was getting past all of it. She was not going to lose. I And I say this with not, and I, I'm saying this in terms of college, pro, high school, everything I've ever seen in my life, it was a top five basketball performance I have ever seen. That is the level Madden Greenway played at. All the flowers to her massive shout out to providence huge win it was a joy to be at um it was a top five
2: it was a top five basketball performance that you've ever seen you watch too much golden Gophers basketball (laughs) i'm including like link
1: performances i'm talking high school (laughs) i know i'm
2: just i was just that was just my one minnesota jab that was Let's not, I mean, to, to be honest, research. right
1: now, she probably could beat the team herself. Providence could probably beat the Gophers right now.
2: <laughs> oh, my goodness!
1: I'm just saying, her perf- and I think what was the most impressive with it because Hopkins wants to be physical, and especially that was the big thing walking in. I'm like, I wanted to see what Madden could do against a Hopkins. A McGill can lock up the best of the best. You have at times. I think the only time they ever got her into a turnover in a, a trap was Nunu and Live. It took Nunu and Live, one going to Stanford, one going to be at a Power Five next year. You have two Power Five that took to just get her to do one turnover. Shout out to Nunu by the way. Thirty-seven points. Nunu was a beast in that game. She was doing everything she could. It was such a fun game, but Madden's control Madden's determination oh by the way 16 for 16 from the free throw line I mean she didn't miss a free throw it it was so impressive and she's now sitting at 1773 career points she is the leading scorer by two points in the freshman class first career points it Top five. Top five performance I've ever seen from a basketball player. And I'll even go this far. There was boys and girls game at the breakdown. She was the best player to step on that court, male or female, that day. It wasn't even close.
0: Well, I guess after that, I guess I'm going to – I'll try to follow that act up. I won't make Mason try to follow that up. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about um, Verona this week. Um, Verona is a team who went to Division I, uh state – tournament two years ago after playing eight regular season games and going four and four in those games with a super young group last year, Taylor Strumlow broke her foot. And it kind of changed kind of the dynamic of what they had this year. They have everybody back. Um, And this week was a pretty big test for them. I mean, Sun Prairie West is a talented group. Um, They were playing for basically, you know, a share of the conference title with Verona. Um, And not only did they beat Sun Prairie West, they they beat the living tar out of them. Um, Reagan Briggs and Taylor Stremla both had 30 in in that game. Um, They went crazy. And then they followed that up with the game against Beaver Dam, which was rescheduled from uh i'm sure you guys remember the snowstorm that we had in in december last month it was going to be played during then and it got canceled so um it got postponed i should say to to this week and it was probably one of the most interesting kind of like head-to-head battles that i've seen um there was so much talent on that court on on both sides i mean tim chase the head coach at beaver dam has won a bunch of state titles and a bunch of games with a lot of talented kids so is angie murphy as well on the verona side so it was a lot of tradition going head-to-head and it was a, uh, it was a bit of a struggle fest because both these teams are really, really disciplined and they didn't really let any, anything really get in the way of kind of what they had planned. Um, you know, Beaver Dam didn't let uh, Verona get out and run a whole lot. So Taylor Stremlo couldn't really do her thing in transition. Um, and, you know, Paige Lamb of Verona, I mean, she absolutely had the best of, of Beaver Dam in the first half. She rebounded really well. She finished around on the basket. And then you have obviously on, on the Beaver Dam time as well, you have, you know, a history of the Wilkie's going there with Maddie Wilkie being at Wisconsin now and Gabby Wilkie there now who's committed to South Dakota. And the second half, she really turned it up and she was awesome in, in the second half. But um Beaver Dam just kind of made a couple like little little mistakes here and there. I mean, missing free throws in the bonus, um, not grabbing rebounds on on you know, times when they should be grabbing rebounds like on free throw misses. Um so Verona came out of that game um with the win and it easily could have gone Beaver Dam's way. Um but I think Verona really like stamped themselves as a team who's like, hey, you know, we can we can win uh, state and division one this year. And and no one's really talked about them as as much as some of the FBA schools like um Nina or Hortonville per se, but yeah, I think Verona really made made a statement that, hey, like we're we're here to play and they're going to be in one of the toughest sectionals playing a Brookfield East team who went to state last year. But I'm really excited to kind of see what that matchup kind of entails if it were to come. But yeah, a huge shout out to, to Verona and, and what they were able to do this week. Brady, confirm for me,
1: I think Wisconsin is the opposite. So like you're one, you're big schools. Those, so you guys go opposite, like one is the biggest and then it gets yep. smaller as they go, where Minnesota, one is the smallest, four is, okay.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm the oddball vagrant of this group because I was the same way as Minnesota, so.
1: <laughs> but Iowa have like yeah. five or six, don't you have like five or six levels or is it just four? Five, we got five. five,
0: we got five in Wisconsin too. Yep,
2: yeah, and you know, my shout out isn't, you know, for this week, isn't necessarily a weekly shout out, um, but I did not mention pleasant valley last week uh i should have in the 5a uh ranks they're they're actually now number one with with johnson going down um what was a week and a half ago to dowling um pleasant valley 17 and 0 on the season you know they are just kind of motoring through their schedule uh i'm a big numbers guy i like to look at you know strength of schedule metrics Uh, you know, what the record is against teams above 500, below 500, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, they obviously don't play a great schedule where it's, you know, 131st in 5A, which is, you know, the next closest team to them. is somewhere in the 20s. But every team that they've played this year that has been good, they've won. You know, they've beat the number 11 team by one. They've beaten the number 16 team by two. They beat the number 16 team again by nine. Um, this week, they, um, you know, don't have an easy schedule. They play, you know, North Scott, who's historically very good. They play Assumption, who, again, has also historically been very solid. Uh, and then they play Central DeWitt, who made the state tournament last year. Um, so, So I should have shouted them out last week and gave them credit for what they're doing. Uh, especially coming off an appearance in the state tournament um, the year prior with a majority of their contributors back. Um, but I could I could sit here and beat the strength of schedule drum all day long. But the point is, you know, they have played good teams and they've beat all of the good teams they've played. So we'll see how how they do in, in the state tournament once it gets to, you know, they're playing the Johnstons and the Dowlings and the Antony Centennials and the Valleys, and you know, the list goes on. But, you know, last year they beat those teams in the state tournament, so.
0: Um, and then the next thing um, up, up for you guys that I want to ask shout first. Out.
1: I want to give a quick shout-out for high school to Tessa Johnson I'm being named McDonald's All-American. <laughs> it doesn't happen as, I mean, it's happened more recently, more often, but doesn't happen that often in Minnesota. Shout-out, Tessa. You deserve it. Wish you were staying home, but shout-out, Tessa, for McDonald's All-American.
0: Um, well you jumped Same. the gun for me there. Um because I was about to highlight KK Arnold and and her trip to to the McDonald's All-American game here first. Um just talking about some of the stuff that's going on in Wisconsin because obviously Wisconsin is is not probably as deep as Minnesota has been in the recent past. So having KK around and just having her be, you know, the the bubbly personality that she is, taking pictures like every little kid that that comes up in talks, to her, I couldn't think of a better face to have for the 2023 class in Wisconsin. Um So shout out to KK um, and obviously her mom as well, because I'm sure we all know KK's mom and and she's the actual best. So um, but that the basketball storyline I wanted to highlight um, was just kind of in Division two, because it feels like for the next two years, we're going to be looking at Notre Dame um, and Pewaukee um, as as it was last year as well. Um, and both those teams are absolute powerhouses. Um, you have Notre Dame with, you know, Illinois State commit Trista Feta, Wisconsin commit Gracie Gresh. Um, you have all the, you have a lot of these, you know, like auxiliary pieces like Peyton Musial, who shot like 50% from three last year, who has a couple of mid-major offers as a sophomore. Then you have these other kids who just kind of fit their role so well, like Hope Barrington, who just flies around and makes a bunch of hustle plays. And, and Sydney Whitehouse is probably a kid who can play division two, and she could defend absolutely anybody. And then, so you have this team who's like really well-structured. They like to, you know, run a lot of cuts and get to the get from block to block and, and seal kids. And then you have Pewaukee who has a lot of guards and they're very guard heavy and they love to shoot the three. Um, the Terrians, I think both are shooting over 40% from three. Both of them um, got a big 10 offer. Um, I want to say this past week. Um, Giselle Janowski is another kid who her brother's a power five basketball kid and she's going to be a power five basketball kid in, in all likelihood. Cause she, she, what she does defensively is, is crazy. Like you can feel her pressure on, on the ball when you're just watching her and I feel bad for the kids she guards and then you have a bunch of other kids like Kennedy Rutherford who comes off the bench who can shoot the crap out of the ball, and and they just beat Brookfield East this week, who's arguably the best defensive team in the state. And if you can, you know, pick apart uh, Brookfield East Spartan defense, I mean, you can pick apart anybody's defense. So I'm really excited to kind of see um, these two teams if they were to play at the rest center again. I think it would probably be the most the most interesting game at state because you know there's a little bit of history there now from. You know, the the two games they played last year. They they opened the season against each other last year and they finished the year against each other. And I want to say in one of my podcasts with the Terrians, they say, you know, we started on a coach bus, we wanted to end on a coach bus. Unfortunately, the ride back for them wasn't as great as they would have wanted it to be at state, but you know, they got that experience. And this year, they I mean they beat Notre Dame in the first game of the year without granted without Trista Feta. But I mean, I think Ywaki's only gotten better since then. So um the idea of seeing those two teams play again and seeing that amount of talent on the court at one time is is really enticing, and I
1: really hope to see that again this year. I have a different topic to end with, but we'll end with that topic so I have a topic to hear an opinion on when we end or close to, toward the end.
0: All right, well, I guess you're just telling Mason to talk then, huh? <laughs> I guess.
2: Well, I was, I was going <laughs> to save this for my, my player shout-out, but since you guys already did it, I would like to give a shout-out. Uh, to our McDonald's All-American <laughs> uh, Sahara Williams, she was the second um, second Waterloo West player to ever be named McDonald's All-American. Uh, the first was Jillian Goring back in two thousand two, who went to UConn and then played in the WNBA. Um, you know, obviously, Caitlin Clark was uh, the last one prior to uh, Sahara in twenty twenty. So I think you know with her. You know, Goring being the last one throughout the West played in the WNBA. Caitlin Clark, you know, being the last one in Iowa,
1: um, who I think we can all agree has a future in the WNBA. She's um, she the number two pick. Let's be real, honest here. She's going to be number two. Uh, I
2: was, I was being modest. I was being modest. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm excited really to see what uh, Sahara does there at Oklahoma. Um, she's she's super skilled. She's gotten so much better since she first came into high school I remember watching her her freshman season and I was like oh yeah this kid's pretty physical she plays really hard you know the skill wasn't really there yet uh, and then since she kind of got integrated into the all have attack program um, you know her skill levels really take him off and you know she's a top 25 player in the country for a reason. So I'm really excited to see, you know, her perform on the big stage with, with other players. I think she deserves it. Like, you know, all three of the kids that we just mentioned deserve it. Um, so that was my player shout out. I wanted to put in there since you guys mentioned yours.
1: I think <laughs> you were modest when you said she's physical. I was, when she was at the gym and Shakopee it was last summer or something, I think I was standing next to Brady we were downstairs, stupidly. I should never be that close. <laughs> she is, I mean, we're talking, she has a pro body looking like now, at least a college body right now. And she was coming towards us. I saw my life flash before my eyes. She would have destroyed me. And luckily she had the athleticism to catch herself like from a dead sprint. I was terrified, mostly because I, I don't have any ounce of muscle and she is pure muscle. She is going to be so yeah. fun to watch it over the
2: Oh. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy the combination of, you know, she's she's five ten, but she's probably the, you know, besides Audie Crooks who, you know, is is obviously a different position than Sahara where she plays down the post and you know Sahara kind of handles the ball out on the perimeter a lot more, but she can post up. Um, you know, I think pound for pound, Sahara is probably one of the stronger kids in the state of Iowa but also I would say yeah I mean for sure and it but with the the combination of strength and pure athleticism like I don't I don't think you can find anyone in the Midwest that can match that it's 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 honestly crazy and then to have her put on the skill and work on her game as hard as she works on it it's just kind of it's kind of crazy how much you know better she can get even at the next level
1: but so my next question for you two, and this is just a quick like, not Brady, this ain't fair because your answer is easy. <laughs> who coming up in your state is, a, in your opinion, an automatic guarantee to M- McDonald's All American? <laughs> we know who you're going to say. Brady, yeah, I guess we know who's coming.
0: I'll just get it out. I mean, Isabel is, is as obvious as it gets. I mean, there are very few people that I've seen in any walk of life make anything look as easy as Alisabelle makes scoring a basketball. Um, whenever she gets to sidestepping on the three-point line, I just know that that thing's going up at some point and it's probably going to go in. Um, I don't think that there has ever been a kid who's just like, She's so unassuming on the court as well. Like it like in the sense that it doesn't really look like she's ever really all that pressured to do anything. She's always just kind of like in her own world and you know, it's it's crazy to see the kind of production that she puts up. I mean, in high school to see if she isn't doing exactly what she did last year because she has a little bit of help on, on the ball so she can play a little bit more off ball. Um, but when she has to turn it on, she's gonna turn it on. And I don't think there's anyone in, in the country that can really slow it down if, if Ali says, you know what, I'm just gonna go ahead and score forward today. I think she's just gonna go ahead and score forty that day. So yeah, I think it's pretty obvious, but yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll just officially Ali Zabella is probably the next McDonald's all American from, from Wisconsin. Mason.
2: Yeah, for me, I think, I think it's pretty easy too. I think, you know, I, I don't think there's, you know, this far out. You know, I don't think you can say, oh, this kid's a, is a guaranteed McDonald's all American. You know, if you look three or four years down the line, just because there's so much more development to happen, you know, that player could move out of state, could go to a, you know, not get injured, you know, whatever could happen. Um, but if, if I had to pick one kid in Iowa right now, who I think probably has the best shot of being an All-American, I mean, it'd have to be Jenica Lewis. I think she's going to be a top five kid in the country. You know, I think if you're in the top 10, you're pretty much guaranteed a spot on the McDonald's All-American uh, list. I think that Jayla Williams from Ankeny could move into that conversation as well. Um, obviously not a lock. She still has to get better, which isn't a knock on her. She's super athletic. She's really long. She has a good basketball IQ, but she's just still a little raw. Um, But that's a kid you kind of look at and watch play and think, okay, this kid with, you know, some more skill development um, and just more playing basketball, she can be really good. I, I mean, I think she's a top 100 kid in the country already. And you know, probably by the end of her career, probably could be a borderline top 40 to 50 kid, you know, if she continues to work at her game. Um, But then all Iowa Tech's got some kids in the 25 class in Journey Houston, um, Divine, Bridge, and Ava Zedeker that, you know, probably aren't going to be McDonald's All-Americans. But if you had to look at the Iowa class of 25, I think those three would have probably the best shot too
1: i'll go with a simple four for me um live live and live live and live are making it next year live mcgill olivia olsen they're mcdonald's all americans 2025 Aliyah crump she's going let's be honest she's a stud and then we've already mentioned her the microwave the magician magnificent madden greenway is a mcdonald's all american madden now we call her the mcdonald's madden we can <laughs> add another nickname no four, i am unless they move or quit basketball those four to me are locked for their class to be McDonald's All Americans. Hey, Mason, do, we, you think, should, uh,
0: do you think Eric likes Madden Greenway?
2: Yeah, I was
1: just going to say we shouldn't <laughs> rename the
2: podcast the uh, the Eric Madden Greenway Stan podcast. Instead of the five minutes to go for a talk, we should give him five minutes of Madden Greenway talk.
1: That'd be a lot more positive conversation to have. <laughs> God,
2: it would be. It would be.
1: Um. I just kinda wanna
0: uh go on to talk about some, some more team related stuff here. And I'm sure we I'm sure there might still still be some more Madden Greenway talking here from, from Eric's end. Um but I kinda just highlight uh Hortonville. Um the the polar bears up in up in Hortonville. Um and um it's it's unfortunately for good and bad reasons. Um because uh, unfortunately um they lost Callie Pepler with uh with a torn ACL and obviously, you know you know thought thoughts to her and and, and all, all hope is all well with her but um I think it's a really interesting um spot that that puts them in um obviously you lose a kid who's you know probably you know like a mid-major kid um and has that has the offers to back that up and she's been awesome this year um however I I think that with them um they're obviously gonna, if they're going if they want to go to a state title this year it's going to have to be through Nina and even with Cali at the start of the at, in the first time they played this year, um, they only won by one in overtime, um. So I think that opens up a lot of different things that they're going to try to look to do, um, especially with their bigs because the only true um forward they really have left on that roster now is uh, Michaela Warner, who I highlighted last week, and even though it's unfortunate that that Cali went down, I think this is a real like there's a chance here where Michaela Warren really solidifies herself as like, like, like her, like, like she could be like a real factor here going down the stretch for them. Um, and, you know, with her size and, you know, her ability to just battle down low and kind of step outside and do some things athletically, I think Hortonville is in a really interesting, interesting spot. Um, they're going to have one more game with uh, Nina this year on the road and they're going to host Notre Dame on on the second of a of a home and home that they've had the past two years, and that's going to be this Saturday. And I think that's going to be really telling to kind of figure out how good they are still and how much championship equity they still have. And I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously thoughts again to, to Callie and, and hope all is well with her and and she kind of gets through this thing as as quick as possible. But, um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you know unfortunate situations kind of breed opportunities for kids. And I'm very curious to see what Michaela Warner. Does what does with the opportunity that she has now?
1: Shout out to Coach AC. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, is there? Is, and then for for you, Eric, is is the, is is it Providence again? Like, is it more Providence no, talk for you? We or? know that we know what they have to do. <laughs> they beat
1: Hopkins. They're not going to lose another game. <laughs> oh goodness, a team. I want to. I mean, I, I'm not going to say Hopkins how they respond because I'm going to be real honest. Whoever they play, God. I uh, don't envy them. Don't nope. help you done. nope, Godspeed whoever you play. I'm just saying <laughs> um I would some teams that I'm kind of looking forward to I'm really excited. it's coming up in I think two weeks a game that I think because 2A and 4A we've talked about in Minnesota, that's kind of where the superstars are. the highlights are like it gets the most kind of like the team the um what am I trying to do, the parody in those two classes. I'm um, in two weeks we have Benil St. Margarets at Becker. Those are the two favorites in 3A. Those are the two that should be the favorites in 3A. I want to see how that game goes because even if it's a regular season game, it means a lot because it also could mean who's number one at state and who's number two in in the state tournament bracket. So who's going to have to go through a harder team to get to the championship? Who's going to have a slightly easier road? Because in all fairness, 3A is a top two. And then they have top two elite teams. Then you have some good teams. If you're if you're number one, you're going to you're going to eventually have to probably go against two okay teams, and then maybe one elite team. Where on the other side, number three probably could give you a run for your money if you are number two. That's my that's what I'm excited to highlight. Is I want to see Kendall McGee and Olivia Olson go against the three musketeers of Becker with the three little guards who gave St. Michael and a decent. Run yesterday at the tournament. I mean, I felt bad for that game because it was St. Michael versus Becker right after Hopkins versus Providence. How do you follow that up?
2: Yeah, and for me, it's, you know, there's, there's Iowa basketball starting to get a little light at this point in the season. Um, You know, next week, there's some conference tournaments, Uh, I I'll go on record right now and say, I don't care (laughs) at all about conference tournaments. I think, you know, for the kids and families and all that stuff, it's cool. But like in big picture to me, it's meaningless. I was never excited about conference championships in high school. This is not a rant. I just don't really care about conference championships. Um, the one, two and three state tournaments actually, um, start on February 9th. Well, 1A starts the 9th. 2A and 3A start the 11th. So next week's kind of the last portion of regular season. Um, 4A and 5A start um, the 15th of February, which I believe is a Monday or maybe a Thursday or something. I don't know. But it starts a week after 1A starts. Um, so there's not really any you know super notable games coming up really in the next week week and a half to 2 weeks just because the first round games of you know 1 2 and 3A are kind of going to be blowouts or just not good games um but there's some conference championships conference tournament stuff there'll be some good matchups um and you know at this point the the brackets come out this week for 1 2 and 3A And you kind of have Tuesday, if you're a team, to, you know, knock off a team or, you know, kind of make your last statement, a.k.a. for, you know, the kind of the top 15 teams to not lose. So then you get a good seed for your regions. Um, So, I mean, I think at this point, everyone kind of slows it down just a little bit or at least starts prepping for the state tournament. Um, you know that the non-conference slug fests they're not happening anymore Um, you know and I don't really care about regular season conference championships like I said so (laughs) you know I'll just kind of be watching for those teams not to stumble you know those those top 10 1a teams not to stumble into the playoffs because that can be you know the the difference between getting the top seed in your region bracket to being a two seed and actually having you know, to play a tough competitive game for um you know a region championship and a and a chance to get to state. So while you know those top teams don't want to lose and, and those middle tier teams want to win, there just aren't really that many, you know, games that I that draw my attention for this next week. And I guess like
0: after, after that, we can talk about some more individual stuff and I'll, I'll ask Eric first. I mean, is there anyone that you want to highlight in particular? And um, is, is there any, any, anyone that truly stands out to you? Maybe other than Madden Greenway th- this week.
1: One more time, Madden, you get all your flowers. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, Actually, I will go to that same game. You know who I'm so excited for? One of my favorite Steady, Eddie, smooth. Shout out to Grace Counts. You recently committed to University of Minnesota Duluth. You are not going to find a post that is more calm in a storm. And let's not forget, she stepped up and took the biggest charge of the game on Liv McGill. She stepped up and took it on the chin from Liv McGill. And it was a huge charge when her team was only up three. Shout out Grace Counts on your commitment, on your continued excellence. My fave. My fave. Oh, I'm also high, shout out on the no look over the head pass to your sister who you said you knew was just going to be there. I don't have any siblings. I don't know what connection they have. Absolutely fantastic pass. Uh,
2: my my few player shout outs will be quick, but um, shout out to Adi Crooks for seemingly playing about 10 minutes a game and still scoring 30 points a game. Uh, She's the first 30-plus point scorer in Iowa in quite a while. Uh, No doubt that that is probably helped by the shot clock, Uh, but she does not play very many fourth quarters Um, just because they win a lot of games and win a lot of games pretty handily. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to Jenna Hopp, who set the Glenwood uh, career scoring record. She'll be going to South Dakota State next year. Uh, she took that scoring record away from her teammate who graduated last year uh, in Madison Camden. Um, and then my last shout out would be to someone that no one knows about, but she goes to Orient, Maxburg. There in one A, Emma Boswell. She's a freshman, and she's leading the state in rebounding at 18.8 rebounds per game uh, for a freshman. That's very incredible for anyone that's very incredible. Um but I will say and I don't say this in jest, maybe I do, Orient Maxburg is 5 and 12, so there are a lot of rebounding opportunities. <laughs> but it is still an honor to lead at almost 19 rebounds per game as a freshman.
0: Um I'm going to spread out some love here to some 26s in Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to start with talking about, um, Adeline Shepley, um, who is the younger sister of Ellie Shepley. Who's going to be, I believe a two sport kid at Northern Iowa, um, after she graduates in 2024, but the, the, the talent that that kid has is unreal. I mean, to have her like size at six, two, six, three, she can beat kids off the dribble. She can shoot it from wherever she wants. She's really athletic and she can defend basically all five positions at the high school level. Um, and if you were looking at a kid, Post 2024, um, to be a kid who just kind of, you know, takes the state by storm at some point, I'd say probably be her. Um, but I want to talk about um, a couple, a set of twins from from Oosberg, because I had the had the opportunity to call the game from um, Oosberg with the W7 Productions guys and, and Connor Du Bois And, you know, I'm always grateful to, to do that. And it's always a blast. But um, the two kids that uh, really stood out to me were the Ketterhagen twins, um, Riley and Addie. Um, I think that those two have a chance to be really, really good at the Division Three level in Wisconsin um, because they are playing at a school right now where, you know, they haven't had a ton of success in, at, in the postseason for a while. And, you know, Waupon has kind of, you know, kind of had the had, had that division by storm the last year and a half. Um, but Oosberg's in a really tough sectional with, with Brilliant and Kewaskum and Freedom. And, you know, they played Brilliant, who's also obviously one of the top teams in their sectional. And the first half, they were horrible. I mean, I don't think they could have been worse. Honestly, neither of them scored. Um, They were, you know, the ball wasn't moving. You know, they weren't making layups. I think they missed all of their threes um, as a team. Um, But the second half came around, and you really got to see how good um, Addie could be, especially. Um, Riley's been one of the best shooters in the state, but she had a kind of an off night um, that night. But when Addie Katterhagen gets into transition, there is not many more kids who are as dangerous as, as she is. She can thread a needle with a pass. She's strong enough to go up through contact. And, you know, that second half was was all hers. I think she finished with like 13 points. I can't even imagine how many, you know, turnovers she created just by being herself um, she had a couple really big shots late. She, I think she had a, a walk up three. Um, she had an and one. I think to cut it to one or something like that. And I I don't think that there have been many kids that I've seen who have flipped the switch like like that in a half. And I think I'm that that makes me very excited for what that 26 class in Wisconsin has. I mean, it's been talked about over the summer as a class that can be very very good, possibly as good as a 22 class in Wisconsin. And they're all starting to kind of come into their own right now and i think that's very exciting because i think you know obviously the more talent you have the more you know the more reasons people want to go see these kids play the more you know younger kids that want to be like them and i think they're really starting to build a little legacy for themselves and i, I mean just shout out to the caterhagans for, for for being awesome this week and can't wait to see what they can do in, in the postseason
1: is it the end here where i do my little thing uh, you
2: can do you can do a spiel I... if you want i won't stop you I... <laughs> One, <laughs> I, I do want to give a shout out though, to my player to watch last week. I mentioned that uh, coming off probably her worst game uh, as a high school player, Jenica Lewis, I was looking for a big week out of her. Uh, she did respond to wins this week against two tough teams. She had 16 and 15 points and just played super poised the entire game. So I just want to commend her for, you know, taking that game that she had against Dowling and kind of taking that pent up frustration out on her next two opponents and leading or helping lead
1: her team to win. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, is there anything for you to
1: add Eric? You have a spiel maybe? So I, this is nothing in particular. I'm, I'm like curious so with us all being you know interested in watching and, and connected to different levels of basketball. I think a conversation about what's gotten a lot more oomph They're kind of a little more renewed fervor. Is kind of the call for this is to official fans, everything. Let girls and women in sports show emotion. Yeah, hollering and one is not tech worthy. Flex, if you are flexing on someone who's injured or screaming at someone injured, that is a tech. Unless a player is threatening the ref or another player or something, y'all calm it down. Like, let these girls who are women women in all levels, I think techs come way too easy. Now, where I have a caveat (laughs) Angel Reese from LSU had a speech about how, you know, because she got that block with holding her shoe and lovely. And she had a tech for staring down the girl. Was the tech deserved? No, absolutely not. She went on this spiel about how she got that because people call her, I'm not going to repeat the word. They call her bad words. They call her word that she should not be called. I will, however, employ her, maybe set this one out, Angel. Your coach is Kim Mulkey. <laughs> I mean this with full offense. Kim Mulkey's is a horrendous human being. Kim Malky have gotten away, if in her history, it's documented on YouTube. This woman deserves more technicals than any other coach, player, or human being on this earth and I have ever seen a day in my life. She is the female Bobby Knight. She is the Crypt Keeper, if you give it a blonde rift. So, Angel, you can't really talk about not being able to show motion when your coach has had instances of ripping her clothes off and nothing hunting down a rebound at the sec tournament last year in a bejeweled tiger shirt for someone who is an open homophobe you look like a drag queen out there in that shirt fyi miss mulkey i'm just saying i'm all on the board i'm all on board of let these girls and women show emotion angel reese and lsu maybe sit this out if you are lining the pocketbooks of a homophobe and racist in miss mulkey thank you that is my ted talk
2: uh, I would like to add, I, I totally agree with Eric in, in the sense that women do get quick technical fouls. Uh, I, I always ask myself if, you know, when I see someone get a technical foul, you know, I always say, okay, well, this has been a technical foul in the men's game or in the NBA game, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure some of you saw the other night um, in the NBA when LeBron uh, got fouled, going going to the rim the ref obviously missed a foul call it was a foul mm-hmm. and then lebron kind of went crazy there for 10 15 seconds if that was in the yeah if that was in a women's game that would have been called a technical you know 2 seconds into that um now it is lebron you know so you can say what you want about you know players of his stature getting extra leash but Even if it wasn't LeBron and it was, you know, a a league average player, do we really think that would have been called a technical regardless? Probably not. Caitlin Clark gets a technical for saying damn it to herself after, you know, a a bad play and she gets a technical. So, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you that Angel shouldn't have been teed up i don't think you should be able to show up players and i personally feel like staring someone down is is showing someone up um but i agree with the whole premise that that women do get technicals and not allowed to show any emotion uh lots of times and you know quite frankly are probably scared to show emotion which i think probably hurts the game which is why i think Clark is so good for the game
0: and I kinda wanna add a quick story from for mine. I want to preface this by saying in, in Wisconsin, I think the officials do a as good a job as they possibly can. Um I honestly I know there's a lot of people who will complain about officiating like wherever they go. And on oh, the guy's hmm. side and and, and and the girls side, I think I, I think they do a fairly good job at, you know, kind of you know keeping control of the game and you know making like as good a call as they can possibly make obviously nobody's perfect but the one story that i have from this year that kind of ties into this and i told mason about this before and it was with um a game with germantown and i believe it was verona um and it was with uh danica gaz who is again one of the more un- unassuming kids i've ever seen and you know genuine like genuinely one of like the more soft-spoken kids at least on the court it doesn't really talk a lot um and she I believe she fouled out and it was a you know questionable call I mean if you want to you can say it was a bad call I mean obviously like those happen um it is what it is but I mean she got a technical walking off the floor because she like waved her hand at the official she was going to sit down which I mean you can you can kind of chalk that up to whatever um but the real um interesting one was then the bench got a warning I believe like I don't know, maybe five minutes after that because they were standing um, instead of like sitting on the bench, um, which I thought was a very interesting one. Um, And in all honesty, there could have been parents that were thrown out of there and weren't. So it was a it was a really interesting environment. And I think the the fact that, you know, like there are there are definitely times when 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 girls like are not allowed to have as much emotion as, as guys do. And I mean, even at the minimal amount of guys games I've seen this year, like it's obvious when when you watch it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, especially like, cause these, like these kids put a ton into their crafts and, you know, when a kid like KK succeeds and, you know, she goes to the rim and, you know, cuts through like a, like a packed in two, three zone and she gets hit and she, and she scores. Like, I love seeing her show some emotion, like, cause that's not easy to do and you should be able to celebrate that. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's very good for the game when, when people show how much passion they have in it. Cause I mean,
1: you, you, you relate to that on a, on a basic human level. I think one of the things, you know, once again, not saying all refs are bad or whatever. I think where the conversation gets frustrated in at all levels, high school, college, every level, if there is such an inconsistency, there are games where a player can do a flex or they can scream and want to stuff. And so you kind of play with the same emotion every game. And I also say, especially, you no know, D1 or big time state tournament games at, at all levels, Emotion, they're already at a like a high heightened thing. I think you have to have a little more grace with the players. Like if they're not screaming at each other's faces or I say threatening or saying some of the most crude things you ever heard in your life, if it's a little bit of jawing back and forth, that's like let them go. If there's fists being thrown, yes, technical ejection, stuff like that. If you have a coach out of the coaching box, stuff like that, maybe give a heads up. Um, I always one of the things I always talked about, and this is me, more from when I started doing this job and going to AAU stuff. I love me a ref that, like, in an AAU, they're going to be like, "Get out of the lane, get out of the lane," or "Hand off, hand off." They give you warnings. they're letting you know what you're doing wrong. If you keep doing it, we're going to call you. That to me is, I, I like that, and I want that. There's where I think this conversation about it gets. There's where it gets frustrating with the refs because some refs are just so quick with the tech, and it's like. Really? Because we've seen a lot worse at other games, aka Kim Mulkey, or (laughs) even Ohio State's coach. He's insane. That man is on the court often. He is hollering. I think someone had a picture of Terry Moran flat out sitting on the court during a game the the other night. Flat out on the court, sitting. And I'm like, where, like that, fine, tear up. But like, but you sometimes, I don't know, I just think the inconsistency is bad. But I stand, like I said, we disagree. I think Angel Reese, your coach gets away with plenty, plenty. <laughs> I don't think you really should get into the, the conversation. That's my last two cents on that.
0: Um, um, before we end this, I want to sp- highlight a specific game that I would like to actually shout out the officials for calling the game very well. And it was actually a game, Eric, uh-huh. you and I were at in minute. No, 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 the the one um, that we were at for uh, the breakdown event at Hopkins with but don't St Margaret and Hopkins, because um, that game was very physical, and I don't think any like obviously there was a little bit of time like a little bit where like kids did go a little bit over the line, but they were you know punished for that. I mean with double technicals for I believe um, Livy Olson and Nudagara for one, or maybe it wasn't that, but I know oh, uh, no, Liv McGill the, the, also, the ball
1: shoved between them. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 Liv McGill and um I believe it was Kuna was it Keona McGee can McGee, yeah, they didn't want to let go of the Ken, ball <laughs> yeah, Ken McGee, sorry yeah and then they just didn't want to let go of the ball so they were they were wired and ready to go um but i thought that they did a very good job calling that game and you know not letting it become like a real foul fest and you know i i if we're gonna talk you know about referees like making calls they maybe shouldn't i want to at least highlight it highlight an instance where i thought they did a really good job and i thought that game was magnificent on, on that end because it was fun to attend and i thought you know kids kids were you know playing on the line and you know some sometimes went over it but i mean they the referees did a really good job bringing that and making sure that that was a a real spectacle to watch
1: ending on we're going to end it on giving the ref the shout out
0: yeah, of course I have to, I have to, um, cause, cause they, their job is not easy, especially at that level when, when everyone in the gym is, you know, watching, watching you and they're looking for a reason to really like blow up. And it's so easy to blow up on a ref cause you probably don't know them. And it's very easy to just go at them, um, for making a call that you deem as the incorrect one. But yeah, with that said, um, I want to thank you guys for coming back for a second week and dealing with me for a second week in a row. So I, I appreciate it. And yeah, hopefully, um, we keep that trend going and we're back next week and and record another one of these. So without further ado, I just kind of want to say, thank you guys again for, for doing this and, and we'll see you. We'll see you all next week. Hopefully.